Rick Carwell, Infosys. Welcome to on the show today. You're head of the cloud uh, infrastructure and cybersecurity services for North America. Yeah, that's that's correct. A, that's a that's a very big portfolio. Uh, yeah. And now Infosys started out uh, as a as a managed service provider, primarily infrastructure, starting all the way in India, and uh, really trying to leveraging some different market opportunities. Now have grown into the U.S. market for a number of years now. Uh, for those of us who may not familiar with Infosys, can you give us somebody starting out a brief overview of the company, its capabilities, because it's it's pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah, thanks for the opportunity to talk about it. So real quick, fast facts. Um, you know, as you said, we're based, corporately based in Bangalore. We actually got our start in 1981 in Pune and quickly moved the operations to Bangalore. Uh, but today, uh, it's been 40 plus years that we've been servicing clients. We operate in over 56 countries. Uh, we've grown to 18 plus billion in revenue, 73 billion in market cap. Uh, our head headcount, employee headcount base has uh, exceeded over 350,000 this year. Despite COVID and any of those setbacks, we actually grew substantially during the COVID period. Um, and just shy of about 2,000 clients. And uh, our mission really is to be our client's first and best choice when it comes to digital transformation. And we do that through uh, maintaining some agnosticism, if you will. So we're solution agnostic, technology agnostic, services agnostic. Um, and and our, our hope uh, within each of our clients is we're sort of a land and expand model. So instead of having five, six, you know, thousand clients, uh, we really want to uh, mushroom up into the you know the entire technology ecosystem uh, across our client base. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that's really impressive. And you touched upon the word uh, digital transformation or digital digitalization across yeah. a lot of sectors. We'll still go back to that later. Yeah. But before we get that, you also mentioned the beginning of Infosys forty plus years ago. Uh, sometimes people we look at global companies like this, so we tend to forget it was a startup at right. some point. That's right. So went through the entire startup global expansion journey. Even in the Indiana market, yeah. it was a, quite of a startup story as well because the, you didn't the company didn't come in with all the existing infrastructure team and even client base, and you were almost from ground zero right. uh, from that perspective. So what was that journey like and what attracted you to be part of this Indiana Infosys growth story? Yeah, no, great question. Um, so it, it felt to me like it was a once in a lifetime opportunity to be intrapreneurial instead of entrepreneurial and really help Infosys understand how to Americanize the company, right? And create uh, an American workforce and usher in a different strategy into a North American market. We had already been working here, mm -hmm. uh, but we were heavily visa dependent in, in the US market and we wanted to invert that number. Uh, and we came out with a jobs promise in, in May of 2017 that we would hire 10,000 US workers. Yep. That's since uh, we doubled down on that promise and said we would hire another additional 15,000. Today our US headcount exceeds 30, 30,000. Um, but it, it really was an opportunity for me to, to build a culture from the ground up. I was employee number one for Emphasis in Indiana and uh, bring Emphasis to our clients in the same time zone and, you know, uh, and, and sort of have this onshore near our clients model. Um, and it's really afforded me to wear a lot of hats. Some I really enjoyed wearing, others not so much, as you can imagine. 
But the things that I think I'm most proud of in this is, you know, we've scaled our client base. We're servicing 130 clients out of Indiana today. We generate all the way from zero. Yeah, well, actually, oh, two. We two. had two. Okay. We started with two uh, based in Indianapolis. We have ten that are corporately based in Indiana today, and then 130. Uh, the, or the balance of that is, you could say, rest of the United States, Canada, and rest of the world. Yeah. Um, and, in five years. In five years. Yeah. yeah. And our headcount sits a little over 700 today. You know, we still have a jobs promise that we're going to going to meet. That target still sits there. We're actively working on that. Mm-hmm. That's excellent. That's great. And with your large portfolio, client portfolio, a lot of these are enterprise level clients, marquee names in Indiana and across the nation. Many of them, are, what, what do you see as in terms of digital innovation or digital transformation uh, at the enterprise level today? Some of the trends you notice today, maybe compared to five, six years ago, we sure. started this journey. Yeah, right, yeah. Um, so in, in terms of what our clients are saying or where they've come from, where they've been in that five or six years, I think it's still Customer centricity is the war, and cloud. Sure, like what? So, how to get as much customer insights, customer data, um, and a a deeper, more meaningful relationship with the customer uh, to be able to tailor products and services uh, in accordance. So that way, you have a much more unique, uh, uh, deeply embedded experience with you know that what you're buying the product or that what you're buying the service from. It's almost universal, regardless what products and services. Correct. You're at, selling. at any scale. So we have we have clients that are manufacturers of earth moving equipment, and they're thinking about the driver just as much as the driver's thinking about themselves. We have auto manufacturing clients that are looking to tailor a car down to the color of what that individual wants. Right to have this digital relationship, digital experience, and much more of a menu styled relationship, and. You know, between leveraging the cloud and analytics, mobile, social security, cybersecurity, I think those are the weapons in that war. And what's underpinning that is, you know, their use of data and mm-hmm. assisting that data with some light artificial intelligence. But in terms of the major shifts, we're seeing, you know, uh, moving from products to services or products to platforms or even products and services bundled together. But I think the last one, the major shift that we've been seeing is uh, our clients are moving much more away from being very siloed in their particular business units to have a much more holistic view of the enterprise Mm -hmm. to really leverage that data and optimize the way they operate and and hopefully capture more share of wealth with their their customers. Yeah, and where do you see sort of a data collection, aggregation, analytics now apply when large models to Mm -hmm. do artificial intelligence, what what are some of the, one, what are the adoption curve you see that everybody maybe starting with globally, nationally, because you're sure. a global company, right. nationally, and how does Indiana compare in general, into uh, uh, even speaking of AI adoption, what are some of the top priorities across the board you may have noticed for the C-suite? Yeah, so I'll invert that question. Okay. You had mentioned Indiana and then I can talk about it nationally and maybe maybe globally. But it you know, Indiana is a heavily manufacturing state, mm-hmm. right? And and in life sciences as well as agriculture. But manufacturing, at least in our book of business, dominates from the revenue perspective. And the the key focus right now is moving much more quickly into the cloud and hybrid cloud. 
Uh, and I think after that journey's done or that journey starts to mature, then, then some AI tools um, will uh, be much more adopted. Because now you have the data set, you know where the data sets are, right? right? And you can implement off of that. Mm -hmm. But you know, in terms of rope, ro they're doing the right things: robotic process automation. They're doing edge computing, you know, out of the cloud, um, additive manufacturing, predictive maintenance on their machines. So we're seeing that being applied in the United States. Um, it kind of goes on this spectrum of you know, there's awareness, right? They're they're actively doing some AI things. They're optimizing it into the enterprise. Um, they're being strategic about it or transformative. And, you know, everyone's aware. I would say half is doing something very active. Very few are optimizing, and I would say even very, you know, fewer, fewer than that, less than a handful are probably being transformative. And I can give an example. So there's a, a client of ours that's a, it's a healthcare system, right? And they have clinics throughout the U.S. And they had told us that their doctors spend about 40% of their day just note-taking, reading, and documenting. So that leaves very little time for patients. So how can they lower that percentage? And so there's been AI applied in terms of doing research, uh, adding um, some automating, some note-taking, et cetera, and trying to be much more reflexive and responsive to current needs of the patient. That's optimizing it but only for the doctors. Are they doing it strategically throughout the entire clinic? No. Are they doing it throughout, you know, throughout the United States? No. Are they being transformative about it? No. But I think once they start testing the case, the, you know, proving out the case, business case, and they're thinking about it the right way, they can get the right lift economically through time um, to be able to adopt it much more quickly. So right now I think it's just a physics problem, right? Yeah. It's just speed and, and it's energy, time, money. And would you say in that particular instance, uh, or maybe across board, that you've seen the general hurdles, so we just say, well, mass adoption, mass adoption are still likely to come. There's some legwork companies from a mindset and readiness perspective that needs to happen internally. Yeah, so I think security is a big component of that, data security, data privacy, and being pri you know, privacy by design. That's something we've implemented internally and secure by design, meaning everywhere in the software development lifecycle, we need to be thinking about security. Uh, but I think there's a, an element of courage and, and trust mm -hmm. of, of what this is, what it looks like. Um, of course, it's been a part of the zeitgeist for some time now, but uh, just like the cloud, the cloud originally wasn't the cloud. It was a bunch of disparate technologies and tools. That and somebody that long ago, right? Think that, about history of things, right? That put it together. <laughs> AI is the same way. There's yeah. there's RPA, there's ML, there's other facets to to AI until someone can really ring fence it in, and and use it in a transformative way to kind of set much more of a pioneering direction. Uh, I think that'll build trust over time, um, and we'll see adoption curve really take off. Yeah, that's uh, that's terrific. Um, as an Indiana-based digital. And innovation center. Yeah, yeah. You're across serving the very broad audience space here, not both locally, regionally, and nationally. What do you see as the biggest opportunities and, and challenges? Or challenges and opportunities? Yeah, yeah, good. Yeah, challenges. So um, for a while now, the talent discussion has, has been part of our vernacular, especially STEM related degrees. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, 
I think there's opportunities for corporations to get much more deeply embedded into our academic ecosystems. Like corporate America, if you will, needs to be in the classroom to really articulate the desires and needs of what kind of workplace uh, is there for the student in the future, what's the nature of the work that they're going to be performing, and what kind of workforce they really are desiring out of education. So there's an opportunity for, for corporates, corporate America to really talk and articulate you know, what roles can be available um, and assisting in that from a financial perspective or make it part of their culture, uh, corporate social responsibility. Um, and also for uh, educational institutions to look at ways to sort of democratize and decentralize education, mm -hmm. make, make it much more mass available for students um, I think those are two things um, that, that are the challenges. Namely, I think in, United, er, in, in uh, Indiana, um, you know, proof of value from having public education, go, either going on to college or community college and knowing that you can have a lifelong career, yeah. especially in tech in Indiana or particularly the Midwest, uh, and our, our companies like ours demonstrating that that's possible. So we just, I. Th honestly think we just need to get the word out. Yeah, and get get to a bigger scale. Yeah. Really do try and align them piece. Yeah, we, I was just going to say Infosys obviously was your uh, starting, the origin of a service model. The uh, company has been superb in terms of the whole secret sauce around talent. Yeah. Um, decided to take that matter in your hands. Yeah. Really drove a very scalable, large scale training, yeah. education, development, talent development pipeline including that's happening here in Indiana, that, that's terrific. And, and that insight specific to aligning that employer base with education providers, whether it's higher institutions or other, other mechanisms are very spot on. What are some other interesting things that you see as a, you mentioned corporate social responsibility, maybe you're aware that Infosys is doing here for the community level or maybe other, other corporations that you feel like opportunities and corporate leaders can, can really make a difference? Yeah, um, so we, we've, we're really trying hard to be a difference maker yeah. ourselves. And in order for us to have been successful in Indiana, it wasn't so much emphasis recruiting Indiana, it was the other way around. So there were uh, a great number of leaders from a government perspective, an academic perspective, uh, and even some of our future client base that were sending delegations over to India to really try to recruit organizations, not only just to do business with Indiana and create that trade equity, but actually set up an office, mm -hmm. right? Employ local people, right? Doing local things. And, you know, from our perspective, um, you know, the, it, the, the business climate in Indiana was great. The academic institutions from a pipeline perspective are superb. Our ability to impact the community in a positive way uh, whether it be through profit or nonprofit entities, um, and, and create this sort of local culture that's really reflective of our local market. Um, and from a talent perspective, you know, we couldn't have scaled the direction that we scaled without having partnerships with an IU, Indiana University or Purdue University, a Ball State, a Butler, um, and Ivy Tech Community College. But that is, isn't enough. It's right. not an offense to them. It's just not everyone's choosing a STEM degree. Yeah. So, which is why we created our U.S. Education Center in Indianapolis. So this is a place where we're going to train our own employees 
whether it be through an eight-week, 10-week, 16-week cohort, where it's very rigorous, it's instructor-led, and on the other side of that are, will be people certified in different technologies that we can then deploy to our clients. So it's expensive to go out and, and gather talent. Um, so we're building it from the ground up, like literally internally. And as part of our commitment to Indiana, we want to make sure that we open that opportunity up. You know, you talked about corporate social responsibility, and we can do that physically in our building. We can invite people in uh, that are not employees to educate and train. But we've also launched some digital plat learning platforms. Springboard's one of them. As part of our corporate social responsibility, and through our foundation, Emphasis Foundation USA, uh, we're able to provide that platform springboard free of charge and there's over 8,000 courses on there uh, that really can give people fundamentals and, and a baseline of, of um, some some coding experience and coding skills that gives them a leg up in terms of an opportunity of finding some employment. Yeah, that's excellent. I know TechPoint and other, other organizations have really had an opportunity to partner with Infosys on that particularly Springboard Initiative, we're super excited yeah, great. for that opportunity. And uh, um, Rick, thank yeah, you so much. Of course, Could I'm glad to be here. Call. All right.